Holly Cotton here, and you guys know I love to have a broad range of topics on my show, whether it be financial health, physical health, or mental health. I want to make sure that we cover that triage so that we are all being the healthiest versions of ourselves. So I am super excited about our guest today. I have Dr. Tonya L. Former, and she is an ENT. She's a surgeon. She is out here. She's also an entrepreneur. She has has tons and tons of videos about uh, educating people about ENT issues, things that are going on, disparities in minority communities, all of that great stuff. Of course, I had to go stalk her because one of her reels, she actually is really funny too. So she's a boss, she's a doctor, she's fabulous, she's beautiful, and she's funny. Oh. Like what else don't you have, Dr. Farmer? <laughs> so one of her reels came up on my Instagram page and I was like, not me about to slide in the DM to find out what Dr. Knows' story is. So you guys, welcome Dr. Former today. So thank you for being here today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. I'm honored. I'm honored. <laughs> thank you. So first, I would like to go into it because one, ENTs are always, have always been pretty much a male-dominated genre of, of medical <laughs> Like, like most surgical fields. Yes. Exactly. So I love that not only are you a woman, because I'm all about the women empowerment, but you're also a black woman minority here. And you're like killing the game in every aspect, not just the one that's behind the desk, you know, giving right. prescriptions like you're out here, you have all kinds of other businesses that you're doing. So first, can you just tell us your story and how you got to be Dr. Nose? Sure, sure. So my story of getting into ear, nose, and throat really starts when I was seven years old. Um, and it started with a very tragic um, time in my life. Uh, I had a twin sister. My twin sister, Sonia, was diagnosed with metastatic bone cancer when we were seven years old. And she battled that bone cancer for two years. And at the age of nine, she was healed in heaven from her bone cancer. But at that age, um, most of her treatment was at Children's Hospital of Philadelphia or CHOP is what it's called. And I was in the hospital a lot with my sister, just in and out with all of her visits and hospitalizations and surgeries and everything. And the pediatric oncologists and pediatric surgeons, all of the pediatric staff that took care of my sister also took care of me and my family, you know. Um, so I saw what I saw was a group of people that genuinely cared for us and cared for me. And I wanted to be that type of doctor, you know, so I declared at the age of seven that I want to be a doctor and I want to emulate these doctors who became role models um, to me. So that was my journey into medicine. I always thought I wanted to be an OBGYN. But when I did my third year of rotations as a medical student on OBGYN, I realized that that really was not the field that I wanted to do. Um, and I was blessed in that I was at the top of my class in medical school, and that allowed me to kind of pivot into a field that is highly competitive because ear, nose, and throat surgery or otolaryngology is a very competitive field. Um, so because of that, I was able to shift my focus I, I spent some time and rotated with a black uh, ENT surgeon in Philadelphia. And after spending some time with him, it was done deal, sealed and delivered <laughs> that ENT is the field that I wanted to go into. 
At the time, I did not know that it was less than 1% um, of Blacks in ENT, and it still remains that way. We are about less than 1% of uh, Black ENT surgeons in the field. Um, but that's really how I got into medicine was because of a, a tragic defining moment you know, in my life that put me into in the track to be a doctor. Right. And I was going to say too, that I actually had someone on my show and she's a motivational speaker. And she said that you find your passion. It's either the push of pain right. or the pull of possibilities. Yep. So either the possibility of something there or yep. the push of pain, but some kind of way, unfortunately, yeah. your passion will be exposed. If That's true. <laughs> I love that. And that's very true, you know, and sometimes that push of pain can turn you down a different avenue. But for me, it was really that push in the back that was pushing me forward because I wanted to be that person in someone's life at a position that they really needed me. So I truly believe in being positioned in people's paths for a purpose. Um, that really is like my mantra. So that's what I have always built my you know, career as a surgeon. It's more than a career. It, it's, it's, it was, it's my life's journey and my life's blessing to be a doctor and be that person for someone like those doctors were for me and my family at that time with my sister. Yeah. That is so inspiring. So I have sidebar on that. I have, so I also teach nursing uh, as okay. well. And mm -hmm. so I had the most horrible in, uh, nursing instructor in mm. for, when I was going through nursing school. And I said, I was going to go back and be a teacher. Mm -hmm. I was going to be a professor because I didn't want anybody to ever have, have that this. experience. <laughs> so right? yours was the positive. Right? Yes. Yes. And mine yes. was let me right. be, let me be the change right. either way <laughs> right exactly exactly yep yep so I'll, so i love all of that dr former and i love how you told told all of that now so you've been out here you, you're healing people's nose ears and throats <laughs> and everything so at what point did you just decide to start recording videos and become <laughs> dr knows the the expert dr knows best yep dr knows best <laughs> Um, it, the funny thing is it actually, um, my, I have three children and of course, like all preteens and teens, they're on TikTok and social media and all of that. And I was always that mom that was fussing, get off of TikTok, get off of that right now. You know, you're wasting time. And, and look where the low, right? how the all the time I was fussing at my kids, right? Like get off that mess, you know? And my middle child, she was playing basketball at the time, but she overslept and she missed a game or something like that. And she woke up and she was very sad about it, felt like she let the team down, et cetera. So I'm just, as a parent does, trying to find something to make her happy, try to change her mindset to positivity. And I knew that, okay, they like TikTok, they like doing TikTok. So I went up to her room and was like, hey, Moni, let's, let's make a TikTok together. And she's looking at me like, do what? Are you my mother? You know, <laughs> so, I got one of them too. I got right. one of them too. <laughs> so we, she got up, she's like, all right. And came downstairs and we're in the foyer, the front of our house with a tripod and making TikToks. And I was hooked. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. So we were making silly TikToks with dances and stuff like that. Nothing educational whatsoever, just having fun. And 
the next video I made after all that fun was actually in the operating room at the end of my cases. And I did a TikTok about HPV, human papillomavirus, and just kind of something fun, educational or whatever. And that video like took off, you know, on TikTok. And I'm like, mind blown. Like people really want what? And so I was super excited about it. And I'm like, wow, what a platform to be able to share what I love. And the other thing I love is advocating and teaching people how to be better advocates for themselves when it comes to their uh, health and wellness. Um, so it just took off from there. And I started making videos, just sharing different things from the health and wellness standpoint, really centered around ENT. That really has been my platform. I, I've, I think I'm going to start to move out of other things, just other avenues of medicine, just overall health and wellness. But really what I've been focusing on in my platform is ear, nose and throat related, you know, uh, issues, just because that's my wheelhouse. That's what I love. So. Well, I definitely think that there is a need for that because, again, like you said, first of all, 1% of all Black doctors are in ENT and yeah. surgeons are in yeah. ENT. So you know that there is this huge niche for it. Right. And then also a lot of people don't think that it's a problem. They think right. that everything is allergies. Mm -hmm. Everything is allergies. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> so it's like... I, you got something growing out of your neck. That is not right. allergies. Right. And it's so funny. You posted the video. I think like since I've been following you, um, you posted something about someone. I think they had a goiter or something. Yes. And and I was laughing because my family always makes fun of me because I diagnose people all the time. All I'm the like, time. Mm, that's just what know. we do. That's just what we do. I'm always looking at necks and noses. That's what I'm necks and noses. I'm always looking. So I literally fell out because you were just like sipping your drink and I was like, oh my gosh, I, I know. And then it's the facial expression. Anyway, so you guys, first of all, make sure you go follow Dr. Knows Best, N-O-S-E. Yes, yes right. it's, she has a great content. So to go into some of those things, let's first, let's talk about some of the disparities that we're talking about in the minority community. Because as we kind of just lightly brushed upon, we were saying that you know, there are so many things that are get that are dismissed. It's oh, it's allergies. Go blow your nose. Go right. take a nap. Go take you know. Go take an allergy pill. So give us a little bit of the insight from your standpoint about some of those disparities. Right. So I think in my field, one of the biggest things I think about is head and neck cancers. You know, and typically, if you are a black person, um, you really should be mindful about some of the signs and symptoms of head and neck cancer because oftentimes they can be dismissed. You know, and it has been shown that people in the black community tend to have their head and neck cancers diagnosed at a later time in the disease and they tend to have more advanced type of disease, you know, compared to the Caucasian counterpart, you know, and we can look at so many different reasons to try to pinpoint that, but it really all boils down to health disparity. Is it access to healthcare? Um, that can even be transportation issues, you know, insurance coverage issues, it can be even access to getting into seeing the primary care physician or that the primary care physician, and I don't want to blame it on primary care physicians, but that's usually where it starts is you're going to see your primary care provider um, and what the belief is, you know, in your symptoms, because traditionally 
people in the black community have not been believed about the severity of their pain. You know, sometimes it's believed that we don't feel pain as much as say the white counterpart. And there might be some of your followers or listeners who hear me say that and they're like, what, for real? And it is true, there have been studies that look at that disparity, you know, um, some in the health field think that, you know, black people have thicker skin than their white counterparts. So we don't feel pain as much or, you know, that you gotta use a, a sharper needle or a bigger needle to stick us because our thin is, our skin is thicker. All of these thoughts are so true. It's, it's I'm not making these things up. So that's one of the, the health disparities that I often see in my practice is, with head and neck cancers, you know, you can see that and the advancement of disease when there's presentation in black people. And I, I really love that you did say that because every time I have someone that is a healthcare professional and we come on and we're talking about wellness, whether it be from sexual health to now ENT, yeah. we cover all the ranges of it. And they always talk about being an advocate for your healthcare right. with, with basically being undermined with things being pushed to the side saying, mm -hmm. ah, you know, not, not, not really having the, the, the knowledge of, Hey, this right. is, this is pretty severe. Right. So I'm glad that you said that because we try to reiterate that about being an advocate yeah. for your, your own health care. Now, have you ever had, and we're going to go into another question. Sure. You guys, I just want, I have, now I got my personal question. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So have you ever had someone that's come to you and said that like, man, I'm, you know, I've been fighting this for, you know, so many years, or I've gone to see several doctors and they all dismiss oh. it. You're the first person. Oh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> Don't even finish Don't even the question. Finish the question. Let me tell you right now. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. You know, I, I see that so commonly, you know? Um, and, and for, for that, I don't even think there's a disparity. I, I see that in my white patients. I see it in my brown patients, my black patients. Honestly, I just think it's in healthcare period. And I don't know what the reason is, but you know, I, I have patients that I advocate for, you know, pick up the phone to call this person or that person to advocate for the patient because they just don't know what's going on or they feel like they're not believed, you know, um, with their symptoms. But that's one of the reasons why this platform that I have on social media is so important. You don't know how many DMs I get from people that say, hey, because of that reel you did, it let me know what questions to go ask my doctor, you know, or I'll get people who will slide in my DMs and say, hey, I know you can't give medical advice, but I'm going to see my doctor for X, Y, Z. And what questions do you think I should ask them? Or what should I be listening for? Or what should I expect, you know? And that made me realize that my platform is bigger bigger than I ever thought it could be because I'll have those patients that I call them like patients. They're not even my patients. They'll come back and DM me and say, Hey, I went and saw my doctor. And because you helped me with this, this, and this, guess what? I'm getting this done or they're checking this or they're checking that, you know? So it's, it's so vitally important that we all become advocates for ourselves. But sometimes it's hard to advocate for yourself when you don't even know what to advocate for.
right? You don't even know what to ask for or what to do. So that's why my platform is extremely, extremely important to me. And I'm not one of those. You'll see some some doctors are on social media um, in their um, bios. No shade, no shade, no shade. It'll say, you know, no medical advice. And yes, we have to say that because we can't give medical advice you know, on social media. And I don't give medical advice, but what I do say to people is I can help you understand what's going on or help you understand what you should be asking for or looking out for or know that this is good health care and this is bad health care. You know, so that that's where I come from with what I do and why it's why I from that little TikTok with my middle child <laughs> to turning it into Dr. Knows Best. That's where it came from. Well, I'll be honest, Dr. Former, I do the same thing. My friends call me for medical advice all of the time. And I always close with, but right. which go follow up with your physician. Don't quote me on right. nothing. I don't know. I didn't see it. I didn't see right. it. I don't know. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, you can't. You can't give medical advice, but it's like we're all on this platform to share, you know, to freely share mm -hmm. information. It's funny because that that reel that you're I think you might be referencing that I just did about um, I was at a conference and a young lady was sitting next to me and I looked over at her neck and I'm like, hmm, she's got a thyroid nodule, you know, <laughs> and I had some comment, one person commented and said, you know, how dare you like, you know, tell this person something that's wrong with them. And, you know, why would you do that? That's invading their privacy and all of that. And I'm like, First, no, it's not because wouldn't you want somebody to bring, draw to your attention, like that there's something wrong. Like you, again, it goes back to my belief that I truly believe that I'm, I am purposefully positioned in people's lives for a purpose and for a reason. So I may have been positioned to sit next to her and to look at her neck and say, Hey, has anyone ever told you blah, 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 blah. Right. <laughs> So that's where that's where it, it it all comes from. It's no, uh, I can't tell you this, 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 and that. No, that's why I'm here. That's my purpose for is to help you. Well, let me tell you, Doctor Former, if you sit next to me and you see something that don't look right, please tell me because I need to know. I like I'm going around life thinking I'm cute, and you're like with this thing really? hanging off your neck. <laughs> I don't want to be in your business, but girl, that looks crazy. Like, please, I give you permission. Got and now, anyone listening that, that, if you ever sit next to me and you see something abnormal, I am not going to that. Please let right. me know. Right, exactly. <laughs> so the, the first question I wanted to ask mm -hmm. you when we're going, when we're talking about medical right now. So one of the things that everyone is talking about is the throat yes. cancer. And it's so, it, it's, it, it's almost, it, it's almost humorous sometimes when I see some of some of the, I guess the ad libs yeah. or the uneducated people that are talking about it. And, and it's like, now there's a huge link with, um, with throat cancer and oral sex. Right. So can you go into that and explain how that actually pans out? Right. How is that defined? How do we find those things? What, and, and also what they can do to protect themselves sure. from sure. that? So HPV or human papillomavirus has been found to be connected to throat cancer or oral pharyngeal cancer. And that's the area in the back of your throat, not so much the front of your mouth called the oral cavity, but in the back where your tonsils sit, the back part of your tongue, and even going up into behind your palate. This 
nasal pharynx, it's called. The, this is the area that I'm talking about that's more prone um, to develop a cancer from, an H, from HPV. When I first started training and practicing, you didn't, HPV wasn't a thing. Not that it wasn't a thing. Of course, we know HPV is a thing. It's been out there. But as far as its relationship to head and neck cancer, that not, was not a thing when I first started training. Smoking, drinking, smoking, drinking. Those were the one and two. Till Michael, till Michael Douglas came along. Hello. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I'm so glad you. Michael Douglas is oh, like, I got, I got so throat cancer glad you from said that. I'm so glad you said that. But it was smoking and drinking. And smoking and drinking are still top you know, risk factors for head and neck cancer, but HPV is pushing up there and knocking out, you know, smoking and drinking. But years ago, whenever that was like early 2000, like it, it was a while ago when Michael Douglas came out and said he had throat cancer from oral sex and people were in an uproar, but he was telling the truth. He was telling the truth that that's where it came from. But HPV and its relationship to, or, to oral pharyngeal cancer, it really is from oral sex. You know, it's from oral sex and that's how it is transmitted into the throat. We knew there had to be something else going on because we started seeing patients who weren't smokers, who weren't drinkers, and they were developing these cancers in the back of their throat. And it was like, where is this coming from? Like, where is it coming from? So there was a lot of research. We started looking at, could it, we even looked at, could it be from reflux and the acid coming up in the throat causing the cancer? Could it even be from the metal in the old fillings in our teeth that is causing it, causing some genetic mutation in the tissues? All of these things, you know, we started looking at in the field, but we realized that, okay, we know that HPV is related to cervical cancer. We know that there are other viruses like the Epstein-Barr virus or EBV that can be associated with cancers like lymphoma perhaps there's a virus connection. And lo and behold, testing those tissues, those throat cancers for HPV, we found that there was a subset of HPV that was uh, related to these cancers, HPV 16 and HPV 18, with HPV 16 being the number one cause of oral pharyngeal cancer. There's like 150 plus subtypes of HPV, but only a certain number that are um, thought to cause cancers and HPV 16 is one of them for the throat. Here's an interesting fact, Holly, about uh, HPV, right? The majority of us have been exposed to HPV, all right? If you have had sex, you have been exposed. Listen, <laughs> Dr. Forma, when I just, when I had my, I'm telling you, my thought process, I was already about to be like, so what about the ones that's been fighting all their life, Dr. Former, and they've been out here. They've been outside for a while now. Like, you know, if you have had sex, you have been exposed to HPV. I mean, 85 to 90% of the population has been exposed to HPV and you can have had an HPV infection and not even known it because the majority of us do not develop symptoms of an HPV infection. So you can carry it and not even know that you had it but our immune system will fight that HPV infection and can eradicate it or get it out of our system within a few years. But there's going to be some, like those subsets of HPV, HPV 16, that can lay dormant in your body. It can stay in your body for years, years. You can have had a sexual encounter where you developed or contracted that HPV 16 infection that stayed dormant in your body, you never had any symptoms, and then 10, 15, 20, 30 years later, 
you can develop a cancer in the back of your throat for that. Okay. Mm. So I, that sucks for the people that get it. Cause you don't know who to blame. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I did a real one time and I didn't expect it to get. I didn't expect it to get as much traction as it did, but it was a real simple reel where it, it looked like I was walking into an exam room and the music, I can't even remember what the sound was, but it was kind of like, mm, I kind of backed out the room because it was like, after you tell your patient that their throat cancer is from HPV and their wife starts asking questions, mm backed out the room. Right. But I've had that happen in real life where I tell a patient that their throat cancer is from HPV and the wife is looking like, who you been sleeping with? You know? And it's like, nope, let's never did. I think I would be having conversations with my patients about oral sex and about their sex life, you know, <laughs> but you do. And to have to inform them and educate them that no, this has, this does not have anything to do with infidelity. This, your husband didn't have to you know, um, cheat on you or anything like that. This could have happened 20, 25, 30 years ago when they were in high school, you know, and they developed this now later. We're starting to see HPV throat cancer developing young people. But the youngest, the youngest patient I have was 38 years old when I diagnosed his throat cancer, young, you know, and my, in my mind, I'm like, oh, this has got to be HPV, you know? But this, it can happen. And it's, here's the thing though, also to not scare people. It's not very common, even though we're seeing a huge amount of HPV overall, um, the majority of head and neck cancers still are from smoking and drinking. Um, and still the majority of people who get HPV infections will get rid of it and eradicate it and not turn into a cancer but we are starting to see a tremendous rise in head and neck cancer from HPV, which is transmitted from oral sex. And yes, men and women can get it. And yes, even if these are the questions I get, yes, even if you're not having sex now, you can still have an HPV infection and get throat cancer. Yes, even if you're in a monogamous relationship, <laughs> you can still, because the person who is now in that monogamous relationship with you could have had lots of partners over here, as could you have. And the more partners you have had in a lifetime increases your risk of developing an HPV infection. So these are all facts, all mm. facts. All right. So y'all be in them streets safely. If <laughs> Everybody going, going home for the right. holidays, going reconnect with them old booze and stuff. Y'all better stay, stay safe. Right. Stay safe. So you asked me, Holly, what are some things that you can do, right? To kind of protect mm -hmm. yourself, you know? Yeah, because we it's too late once now. You, we just spent our life out here. Right. <laughs> once you've had a, started having sex. And are there some non-sexual ways that you can tr contract HPV? Yes, there are. There are. But they're they're more, they're more less common. Overwhelmingly, it's oral sex. But yes, are, could a virgin who's never had any sexual encounters, and I'm not just talking intercourse, okay? I'm not just talking penetration. Because you can still contract and transmit an HPV infection just from having oral sex. So, you know, some people don't think oral sex is really sex, but it is, right? right. So you, it doesn't just have to be penetration. 
but you can be a straight out virgin, never did anything in your life, never had oral sex, ne nothing, and still be exposed to HPV in a non-sexual way. There are some, some you know, ways of, of that happening, but it's very, very, very uncommon. Overwhelmingly, it is uh, sexually transmitted. So protection, right? Condoms, dental dams, but those are not 100%, just like they're not 100% to prevent pregnancy right? Um, because the area around the sex organs can still be sources of you getting that infection. But dental dams and condoms can certainly help reduce the risk. Um, the HPV vaccination also has been shown. It's to, And I, I know I'm going to get the anti-vaxxers, you know, I, I get it all the time when I talk about it, but it has been shown, studies have shown that the HPV vaccination has decreased um, the incidences of not only cervical cancer, but also head and neck cancer. And it's taken some time for us to prove that because again, HPV and throat cancer is something that has really um, started to rise over the past 10 to 15 years, you know? So um, it, the vaccination, and then of course, don't have sex, right? <laughs> don't have sex. Well, right? I don't know about all of that, Dr. Farmer, <laughs> but... Uh... Just like I, just like I, I had a, a funniest meme, and then I'm gonna go into the next question. But I had I saw the funniest meme, and it was saying how uh, how people will um, have oral sex and then and uh, with no protection, and then put a condom on, and they're like, "Well, right. you already ate the right. disease now." Right. Exactly. <laughs> so exactly. Thing. It's it's still sex. <laughs> we gonna we gonna right. pray for him, Doctor right. Farm. We gonna pray right. for him. Uh, <laughs> so. So I, you mentioned smoking and drinking several times whenever we were talking mm -hmm. about throat cancer. So that was go that pretty much goes into the segue that I was thinking of, which mm -hmm. was about smoking. And the first question that I want to ask you about as an expert on this is I know that now the trend mm. is vaping and people feel like vaping doesn't have the same. Oh, <laughs> see, you already know where I'm going with it. And people think that vaping is safe because it's not smoking a cigarette. So can you give us, I guess, can right. you educate us on vaping and some of those side effects that are unhealthy and the risks that yeah. we have with vaping? To me, whether if I ask somebody if they're smoking, it doesn't matter whether they're smoking cigarettes, cigars, vapes, you're still smoking, you know, and even smokeless tobacco, you know, or chew, same, same thing. They're the same thing to me. And okay, don't get me started. It's going to be an uproar. Smoking <laughs> marijuana. Same thing. Okay. Same thing. All right. But with the vape, I mean, you can still vape nicotine, you know, it's still the nicotine in it that you can vape. And even if people are not vaping nicotine, particularly, but maybe like a flavor, you know, um, some I've talked to some people at, cause I've never vaped at all, you know, but, um, there can be flavorings yeah. that is actually in, in the vape. Um, but some of the chemicals, some of that, that, um, the chemicals that are in the vape, you're also inhaling those and the substances. You might remember there was a time, a time period. I want to say that the, it was called Juul, the, the name of the, the vape contraption, you know, or whatever. Um, but there was a lot of controversy over that because it was causing people to have, we called it spongy lungs, holes in the lungs, where it was really eating away at the lungs. And it was one of the contaminants that was in the vape, 
you know? So it doesn't matter, you know, whether you're smoking cigarettes or whether you're vaping, it is still dangerous. It can still increase your risk of uh, head and neck uh, cancer. It still can increase your risk of having sinusitis uh, and, and allergy and rhinitis or inflammation in the nose problems. It can still increase your risk of having asthma and lung disease. It does not matter. It's the same thing. You're still smoking. Now, let me just ask you this, because I do go out um, often, and unfortunately, because I really would rather (laughs) be in my house in my pajamas, but I go, and I don't, I, when I tell you Mm -hmm. I probably have a drink two or three times a year, like one drink, that's it, and I never, I've Mm -hmm. never smoked a cigarette before, so I don't smoke at all, but of course, when you're in the VIP section, here come the bottle girls, and the first thing they bring out Ah. is a okay, (laughs) so... (laughs) So what I wanted to do was ask about that as well, because I know that everyone, people, they don't smoke at all. They don't vape. They don't do anything. But as soon as the hookah comes out, here they are hitting it, blowing it, puffing it in my face. My hair smells like it. And it doesn't have a smoky smell like the nicotine with cigarettes. But I definitely know if I smell like smoke when I leave. I'm like, that's not not healthy. Something is not going. So give us what, what exactly does hookah do to you, do to your lungs, do do, all the nasal, orangeal, you're still inhaling these fumes. (laughs) You're still inhaling the smoke, which is dangerous Mm -hmm. to the mucous membranes or the lining. When I say mucous membranes, that was, that's what lines your nose and your sinuses and your throat all the way down into your lungs, the mucous membrane surfaces it's still causing irritation and inflammation of the mucous membranes, which can increase your risk of developing, you know, infections, uh, swelling and breathing uh, issues. I'm sitting on a reel right now that I was putting together. I don't know if you saw this circulating TikTok, but there was a TikTok that some young ladies, it was about four or five friends, and they ended up in the emergency room because they were smoking hookah and they were in her apartment and they, it was, again, I'm not versed in hookah and what you use, but it was these orange, they <laughs> call them orange something, but they look like round disc or something and that you put on top of the hookah and you're smoking it, right? But they were um, in her apartment, they had the windows, they had the exhaust system on and all of that, but then it got cold. So they closed the windows, they turned the fan off and the, air purifiers and stuff. And all of a sudden, one of them started to get a headache, you know, and I, I, I looked at all the different TikToks that they put up that they were explaining this. One started to get a headache, then another one got a headache. Then thank God the young lady had a carbon monoxide um, uh, monitor in her apartment. The carbon monoxide monitor went off. They basically got carbon monoxide poisoning, you know, from smoking hookah. So they ended up in the emergency room having to get oxygen and they almost died, you know, because of it. So there are dangers. I know it's fun and you don't want to be that Debbie Downer. I know it's fun and all of that, but they're really, (laughs) but there really are. There really are like, health. Uh-uh. Yeah. You know how hard it is to stay young and fine. Like, I don't want nothing slowing my metabolism down. I don't right. need no smoke. Like, it's hard enough already. I don't need right. no there extra really are stuff. Health, you know, um, 
uh, deficits. There really are really negative health effects coming from, you know, smoking hookah. And don't even get me on secondhand exposure because you don't have to be smoking it yourself. Not only, you know, hookah, but um, cigarette smoke, you know, and vape, you're being exposed to all of that as secondhand, you might as well be smoking it yourself, you know? So when I ask people in my practice, do you smoke? And they say no. And then I say, well, do you know, are you do live with a smoker or are you exposed to secondhand smoke? And they say yes. And I'm like, okay, you smoke. I, I mean, literally it's like you smoke and you're still going to have those negative effects to it. And your risk of developing cancer is, is you're still at a higher risk than someone who doesn't smoke. So, and one of the things I, I'm so happy that they banned mm -hmm. smoking in clubs because one of the things I remember, and I'm going to age myself, I don't know when they banned, banned <laughs> smoking in clubs, but one of the things I used to hate, especially because I'm from Louisiana. And so Louisiana is so at the bottom, which is why when everything for Louisiana, they're always like number 50. <laughs> on on everything everything good they're at the bottom oh, everything gosh. bad they're at the top so i grew up and so so you know so they had the smoke and i remember going home and i would have yes. to wash my hair like yeah. two or three days and i still smell like smoke so i would always say if that's my imagine. hair imagine what that does right. to your insides right. you know this was just me in the club absorbing it imagine how it is but of course people start drinking right. mardi gras how, whatever now you got now you're a social mm -hmm. smoker mm -hmm. and stuff like that so i'm glad that you're that you did bring that up and say even if you're not the one you're smoking still, you're, you're still, still smoking and that's why i made that real you know, what I say to parents, you know, when they tell me they smoke outside and I tell them smoke naked <laughs> because and, go, and then when you go in, take a shower and wash your hair, you know, because it, it is on your person yes. and that gets transferred to their children. So I see the children that are suffering with ear infections and sore throats and upper respiratory and sinus infections and breathing difficulties because they live in a smoking household. You know, even if their parents smoke outside, they're still exposed to it. Yeah. Yeah. So stop being selfish. Stop being selfish. Give it up. Right. Just stop smoking altogether. So yeah. Dr. Former, I just wanted to ask one more question because I know that one of the, one of the things that I did think was interesting and cause we, now we've talked about nose, throat, and I wanted yes. to just touch on ear as you were an ENT. So one of the things, especially, um, for younger kids, I think parents maybe mm -hmm. don't know how to clean mm -hmm. their ears adequately. And then also older adults, man, when I was a floor nurse and yeah. I had to do anything where I had to stick a odor sulfur in uh -huh. the, the, the ear and mm -hmm. I would see all that black I would be like so so I would be like I don't want to touch your feet and I don't want to touch your ears like leave me alone <laughs> anything right. else I'm I'm your girl but boy right. do not give me feet and ears so what can we do um to prevent earwax what's the proper way of mm -hmm. cleaning our ears and then do you have any suggestions for anyone that maybe doesn't know yeah. how to clean their ears or their parents Absolutely. or their kids or whatever so i mean mm -hmm. earwax of course is very common there's benefits to earwax so i i don't look at earwax in a negative way whereas some other people usually do anytime i post something about earwax and show it people are like ew disgusting oh my god 
you know, but there's benefits to earwax, you know, but it can build up because the earwax is in a small canal, you know, the external ear canal. And some people make more wax than other people. It's just like some people have oily skin. Some people have dry skin, you know, same thing uh, in the ear. Just remember the number one thing I want people to remember is that your ears naturally clean themselves. So it's like a, a, a self-cleaning oven, right? The wax is pushed to the outer part of the ear and it cleans itself and pushes it out. There are certain reasons why you might get wax buildup though, and it's not so easy for your ear to clean itself. Like if you have dry skin, then the wax is gonna be dry and it will get more impacted. Kids you might see it more in like you talked about, because their ear canals are narrower and they're smaller, so it's easier to get impacted. Some people have a wavy or curvy type of shaped ear canal, so of course the wax is gonna be harder to get out. In older people, it's not only dry skin, but as we get older, we get hairy ears, <laughs> right? So we get a lot of hair in our ears, and so the wax gets caught you know, in, in all of that hair. <clears throat> but you can, at home, use wax softening drops. They have brands that are over the counter, um, like Deep Rocks. You can even use a, a mild peroxide, like 3% peroxide and put one or two drops in the ear to help loosen it up. Olive oil, you know, vitamin E. One of the things I tell people is take a vitamin E capsule, the gel caps and stick a pin in it and you can squeeze a drop or two of oil in the ear canal and just kind of massage it down and that will help kind of loosen and moisturize the wax so it's easier to get out. You can flush the ear, you know, they have flush uh, kits, ear flushing kits over the counter that you can purchase where you're flushing it with a solution to help loosen it and flush it out of the ear canal. That's safe to do if you don't have a tube in your ear or you don't have a perforation or hole in your ear. So you need to make sure that you don't have one of those two things before you want to flush uh, your ear out or that there's not an acute infection also. And then if it just really gets impacted, everything you do, is not helping, then you need to go see your primary care physician or an ENT doctor like myself, and we can physically remove it with instruments. You know, um, in my office, we use a microscope and instruments under the microscope to go in and physically clean the wax out of the ears. I have patients who come in like every two months or every three months simply just to get their ears, you know, clean, just to get the, the wax out of their ears. Um, and you don't want to use things like Q-tips to, the Q-tips will push the wax down. Now, let me just say this. I don't mind you using Q-tips if you're only, once the wax gets to the outer of the ear right here and you see it and you just want to use that Q-tip to gently wipe it away, but you don't want to take that Q-tip and push it in and then you do this thing. Nope. I always know. I take up here. I take yeah. Q-tip. I all start up crevices. here. I go in yes. all, all. You can of do these that crevices. absolutely. <laughs> you just don't want to put it in the opening and then push it in and do that twisty motion because all you're doing, even though you're bringing some wax out and it's stained on the Q-tip, you really just push the wax further down, you know, in your ear. And and people who use earbuds. People who have hearing aids in, they're going to be more prone to getting wax buildup too, just because it, you're putting a plug there essentially. So you're not allowing your ear to naturally clean itself. You're kind of hindering that. Okay. Are you an ear buddy? As I got an ear bud in my ear. I'm, I'm, a, I'm, yeah. a ear, I'm yep, an ear yep, pod yep. girl. <laughs> so you just got to give your ears a break and let them clean, let them clean themselves. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna work on that, Dr. I, I have people who tell me I don't it. use Q-tips, but I use a bobby pin. I'm like, okay, girl, listen. 
that's the same thing. No, <laughs> no, no, that ain't. <laughs> I would be scared right. of the body paint. I, I've, I've heard it all of what's uh -uh. being used to clean their ears out. Oh my gosh, and I have to say this. I can't let you go without saying this. Do not use ear candles. No ear candles, okay? You've heard of Ooh. ear candles. You do not want to use ear candles. They do not work. Mm -hmm. They do I've not work to clean wax out that. of the ears. Ooh, I don't okay. care what you tell me. They do not work. So do not use ear candles. They're more dangerous than anything. Oh, they look don't do it. <laughs> mm. Oh, since you just said that about stuff on, on the internet and going viral, uh, have you ever saw like a bug? Because mm -hmm. I've, I've seen a video yeah. where a spider was in there. Yeah, and I've, I've had to, I mean, one of the deterrents to bugs going in the ear is wax. So just remember that. So if you're one that is, you prefer to have no wax in your ear, I don't want no wax in my ear. Well, one of the deterrents to bugs is wax, you know, because of the consistency, what it's made of. Where are we? Anywhere, anywhere. And it don't, even, it don't even have to do with your living condition. <laughs> it don't have to do with, oh, they're dirty. No, bugs are everywhere. Shoot, we, we sleep with bugs every single night. We do. But they can crawl. They... <laughs> I'm sleeping with earmuffs. You're going to make me fall out the chair. <laughs> I thought you were gonna. I thought you were about to debunk. No, they can crawl down in your ears. It. You know, of course, if you're in an environment like you go camping outside or something like that, you know, you're going to be more prone to get mm -hmm. a bug get in your ear. But can it just happen if you're in your room? I mean, it is. It's possible that you can have a bug crawl in your ear. But yes, I've had patients where I've had to get bugs out of their ears, and I hate it. It gives me the eebie-jeebies. You know, there's just certain things, but to see these legs and, but yeah, it can happen and you got to get it out. Eyes. I just got to suck it up and you... get it out. <laughs> and you right. have to be the professional right. and while make I'm, me feel while like I'm behind the, I'm behind the microscope going. Tracing. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, that part, that part. Okay. Yes. So last question, Dr. Former, I know that yeah. you are also an entrepreneur and that you also have other business ventures because I told y'all she got eight, <laughs> eight, 80 jobs. Like <laughs> she's doing all kinds of stuff. So, um, for people that are following you that are interested in you, just tell, yes. tell us about the entrepreneurial so, Dr. Former in addition to well. owning, you know, co-owning, I have a partner in my practice and an outpatient surgery center, um, as well. I have an e-commerce business called Salt Me, and that really started out of necessity for my patients. I was seeing a lot of patients who were coming in really dependent on nasal decongestant sprays um, like neosinephrine and phenylephrine, um, which those are over-the-counter decongestant sprays that are just not healthy to use on a daily basis. Um, so I was trying to find something that was more natural that could help my patients. Where I live in the Midwest, I see a lot of patients who want more natural type of remedies instead of just writing a prescription for something. So I started doing research into the essential oils. I hired a professional aromatherapist as well. Um, and I, after doing some research with her, I looked at seven different essential oils that I felt were wonderful for upper respiratory, breathing and uh, nasal and sinus uh, relief. And I put those essential oils into a nasal aroma inhaler. And unlike other inhalers, which are made with a little cotton swab inside of it that you drop the essential oil on, mine is different in that I use Himalayan salt 
and um, I infuse the essential oil into the Himalayan sea salt and create a natural inhaler that way. So it's used much like a quote unquote Vicks inhaler, um, but it's an all natural with seven essential oils for adults, six essential oils for kids, and then six essential oils for uh, women who are pregnant or nursing because what I learned in my studies with aromatherapy is that not all essential oils are safe for children and not all essential oils are safe for women who are pregnant or um, nursing. So I have three different of those nasal aroma inhalers um, for that population of people and my company Salt Me. You can follow me on Instagram for that. It's it's actually Salt Me Pink. So Salt Me, like me, M-E, and then pink on Instagram. And um, that's my website also, saltmepink.com. You know, you can go and check out those inhalers, but they're they're absolute wonderful. You can use them throughout the day. Um, they're not addicting at all because they're non-medicated. It's natural aroma, uh, aromatherapy and essential oils. So yeah, that's how Salt Me started. So mm, yeah. Yeah, so I'm gonna have to check it out. I'm gonna have to check it out. I'm trying to be this <laughs> holistic Holly going and yeah. So uh, every time I have a guest, I'm like, eh, yeah. you know what? I might add. Yeah. I might do. I might yeah. add a date. I might add. Well, while this. you're at it, add a, salt know. water rinses <laughs> so, to your regimen as well. That's what yeah. I was like. Now I'm. Now I'm gonna have. To, yeah. Now I'm gonna have to add add add, a, add, a, add, a, add, add pink, salt me pink, pink nasal salt. inhaler and. <laughs> Yeah, add salt me nasal salt inhaler me and saline <laughs> rinses. You know, I the Navage machine is amazing. That's my favorite. But flushing your sinuses with saline is a preventative, natural thing to do uh, to help prevent upper respiratory infections. So add that, Holly. Add that too. <laughs> I am. I'm on it. I'm on right. it, especially with cold and flu exactly. season. Because you know everybody exactly. about to be coughing on us and sneezing. <laughs> So, Dr. Former, go ahead and drop all of your social media tags, your website, where people can follow you, how we can like and okay, subscribe. Okay, I can put that in the chat. Is that what stuff. you mean? Oh, okay. Well, no, okay. say it because I'm going to do audio. So, people, right somebody now, is yes, running on the yes. treadmill right now okay. listening to our show. Okay. Yes, and then they can look. Okay. I'll have it so typed out in the podcast So, you can find me on Instagram notes. and TikTok at Dr. Knows Best. That's D-R- Nose, nose, N-O-S-E, best, Dr. Knows Best. I'm on Instagram and TikTok. You can find me on Facebook also um, as Tonya L. Farmer, M-D. That's T-O-N-I-A, L, as in Lorraine, my middle name, Farmer, M-D. So that's where you can find me. And my website for my e-commerce business is www.saltmepink.com. All right. I love it. Yes. And I will have, awesome. as always, <laughs> links for the ones that don't listen. <laughs> or forget how to spell. Because uh, that's the only bad thing right. about the difference right. between ones watching the video. Because they they watch like a three or four mm -hmm. minute clip where I take everything from what we said. And I try to condense right. it into like four minutes long and take all the pertinent right. stuff. And then they're like, where is it? And I'm like, it's on the podcast notes. Like, pay attention. <laughs> so. So, um, 
thank you so much, Dr. Former, for one, sharing your story and two, inspiring other people to follow their passions, showing us even a little girls right now that are are here and they're trying to figure out what they can do and what, you know, what their path is. I mean, you're also laying that foundation for other people to follow and make that 1% and higher and higher. We need it. We need it. (laughs) Right, right. Right, right. So thank, thank you, you so much, much for Dr. Having Former, me. It was for an your honor. story. Thank you very much, Holly. <laughs>